Hola y bienvenidos a Peruvians of USA, peruanos de Estados Unidos, un podcast en español, inglés y spanglish donde compartimos las diversas historias del inmigrante peruano, sus luchas y sus logros, y también exploramos lo que significa ser peruano en otro país. Mi nombre es Natalie Sofía y soy una chica peruana que vive en los Estados Unidos por más de 20 años. Welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast in Spanish, English, and Spanglish, where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience in the U.S. We will share the struggles and the victories, as well as explore what it means to be Peruvian in another country. My name is Natalie Sofia, a fellow Peruvian living in the U.S. for more than 20 years. So let's get started. Uh, welcome, Sisi Paulina, to Peruvians of USA podcast. I am really excited to have you here today. Thank you for reaching out through social media. This is the beauty of social media that we're able to connect with so many people around the world, uh, and there's so many great people doing great things um, and trying to tell stories that we can identify with. So, Sisi, let me um, thank you again, and, and please introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah. Yay! I mean, I mean, glad. That's right, right? Like the social media, like we connected, we found each other kind of way. So my name is Cece. Uh, I actually live in California, to be more specific, in Los Angeles. To, so you could put an allocation to me. Uh, immigrated here uh, when I was 16 years old. I mean, talking about back in the days, not, not that long ago, but like back in 2005. Yeah, at 2005. Um, currently, I work as a social media strategist in Los Angeles. And I just love being Peruvians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't we all love being Peruvian? There's a lot of reasons why we love being Peruvian. Um, starting with our food, of course, we're very proud of our food. Uh, but thank you for introducing yourself. Yes, you're, I think, uh, my first uh, guest from the West Coast. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. West Coast. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I think based on your, you know, since I follow you as well in social media and, and, and Instagram, uh, you're quite the traveler. So you've been traveling to different places. Uh, any, uh, before we jump into your immigrant story, any uh, outside of Peru, any country that comes to mind as your favorite place to travel to? Oh my God. Um, I think always Indonesia is going to have a special place in my heart. And it's like, there's like a whole story to it, but there's always gonna have a, like a special place in my heart. Like I love that place. Like it's like if you want to find yourself, like that's like the place. I know I sound like typical people that go to Bali, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> I mean, there has to be some truth to it, right? People go to yeah. Bali for a reason. I actually have never been to Bali, but I have another Peruvian friend who, when we parted ways, we traveled together. She decided to go to um, Indonesia, and I ended up going to Thailand. Um, and she had a fantastic time um, in, in Bali. She actually ended up meeting the, I'm just going to call him a shaman, who was in the Eat, Pray, Love book and movie. I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I know exactly yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. Wow. Yes, yes. So she met him. I don't know how she tracked him down. She, so she met him. She has a photo with him. Yeah, she wanted to do her Eat, Pray, Love <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, let me process that for a second. Wow, so <laughs> she tracked it. Wow, the internet, I swear. <laughs> yeah, she tracked them, yeah. So I will connect you too, so just in case you want to <laughs> track them as well. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's jump into your immigrant story. You mentioned that you came in 2005. I am curious, like, how and why did your family decide to come to the U.S.? Yeah, so when my mom actually works in the consulate, a Peruvian consulate, and they sent her here uh, to California. And that's kind of how I landed. Like one day, it was like February, I think it was February, like a few days after my birthday, so February like 10 or 14 or something like that, that they told my mom, it's like, oh yeah, you're going to go to Los Angeles, by the way, and you're leaving next week. <laughs> so uh, it was like, and it was not even, they didn't even match thought to it. You know, like, mi papá, mi mamá, they were like, oh, okay, pues, si es la más chiquita, and the easiest to move, because my sisters and my brother, they were in the university. So, like, that's not as easy to move me. So, they were like, okay, let's just move her, you know, like, let's just go. And, like, that's kind of how I landed here. I landed here in February 19. It was a President's Day. 
and it was a shock for me <laughs> the first thing because I'm never being away from my dad or my any or from home in general you know so we live in that friend's house for like about a month until we move into a place and then I started school so I started high school like right away like a month in right so when I started school that was like the culture shock that everybody talks about because in Peru they teach us to be very respectful to our teachers and you know to behave a certain way and I was in like Catholic school so like I was the nuns and all of that and then I came to like public school here and that was like so much so much disrespect and like and like sometimes there was drugs and things like that and to me it was like like okay this is not this is not home anymore you know it reminded me of uh, like Wizard of Us you know like I'm not home you know so I wanted to go back to Peru. I remember crying to my brother and blah, 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 blah. And my brother's like, well, just come back then. If you don't like it, just come back. If you're not happy, if you're scared or whatever, you know? And something inside told me, it's like, no, if you go back, you're gonna look like you're weak. You know, like, I mean, and I was like, I was 16. So I was like, how much harder can life get from here? You know, like, so that's kind of like, how was my beginning? It was very rough. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know much English and they I had to do like four years and two years because of my age so I came 16 I had to graduate by like 18 so I was like a borderline right there so I had to do like four years and two years and in no English so I used to do my homework with a dictionary next to me like and my mom didn't know the language neither. So I was like the translator of everything. You know, back then there was not a lot of like accessibility to Spanish stuff. And I mean, not as much as now compared to now, you know, we have evolved, right? But so it was, it was like that, like 16, 17, I was already translating legal documents from my mom, you know, communicating with the manager of the building, things like that, you know, things that I never saw myself doing at that age, I guess. And yeah, I mean, I'm, and there's like a long story to it, but you know, when I was in high school, I like to share this story because I feel like it's important to understand that someone's opinions is not, it doesn't determine your life. So when I was like 17, you know, like they tell you like, oh, let's apply for college and things like that. So I was very good in school, you know, because I was very good at math because I think in one of your episodes, you mentioned something about, about math and like you were like advanced. It's like, yeah, I was advanced too because like here things are like so easy, you know? I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> and this is the only language I could speak, you know, this <laughs> was math. And so when I was like 17 or something, I was about to graduate uh, high school and UCLA invited me. They sent me a letter to uh, pre to pre apply. So like before everybody else applies to mm -hmm. apply, we could have good mm -hmm. grades. Right. And I met with this counselor, and he told me he's like, you know what? Um, I I don't think I'm gonna advise you to go to college. And I was like, well, why why not? And he's like, you know, I recommend you to get married, so you can oh, take wow. your papers. I was like, oh, mm -mm. wait, what? <laughs> I was confused, you know, and he told me, he's like, yeah, you're not going to go to any college, like your, st your immigration status and things like that. The funny thing is that I never told that to anybody. My mom barely found out like a few years ago. And so I was like, I think I cry because I feel like, oh my God, so everything I'm doing at school doesn't even matter because I can't even go to college. You know, but it was my misinformation. You know, I could have gone to college if I wanted to. I could have gone to UCLA, USC, like all these elite schools if I wanted to. Right. But his opinion of me kind of was like, okay, maybe I can't do it. So like, um, so I decided to go to community college, which nothing wrong with it. I actually thought it was like the best idea for me. And that's how I ended up in community college. I told my mom and my mom was like, well, what do you mean? Like, gonna community college what about university like you don't go to university it's like no I'm done like like you know like terca yo con mi mamá like no eso es lo que se va a hacer y eso es lo que se va a hacer you know like I'm not gonna go to university I'm gonna go to community college mm -hmm. and I went to community college but, and no one knew why I went to community college you know because I was like the smartest one in class and things like that. so everybody was like what the hell you know confused about it okay so like yeah and I mean and and then 
it took me a few years because I had to pay out of pocket. Uh, but yeah, I finally graduated in 2014. <laughs> like, okay. It took forever. Yeah. So I want to unpack a little bit some of the things that you have mentioned because you have definitely shared um, you know, a lot of things that I think people can relate to. Um, first of all, like, so your mom is told that she's coming to the U.S. to work in the Peruvian consulate, mm-hmm. and I am, and you were 16, which um, in Peru, 16 is almost like an 18-year-old here, right? In terms of like level of independence, maybe even more. Maybe you're like closer to a 21-year-old level of independence. You're like very close to finishing school if you haven't finished already. I think we have. Most people finish around 1617. Um, and you had your quinceanera, if you had it, and that's a big deal. I'm not sure if you did. But, no, I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> you did, okay. And I know it's not as popular anymore, but I guess the reason I bring it out is because you had solid friendships in Peru. Yes. Very solid friendships, very solid life. And you were at the, the, the beginning of, you know, developing your personality as an adult and, so like when your mom shares this with you, and yes, you're the youngest, so you're the easiest, quote unquote, to move. Like, what was your initial reaction? Were you like, you know, yay, I get to go to the US? Or were you like, no? Or did they have to convince you? I guess I'm, I'm curious about that conversation between your parents and you. Yeah, so actually they never asked me. So, like, so they never said, it's like, never ask. Never ask. They just tell us. They just tell us, like, so, next thing you know, I was taking passport pictures, and it was just, like, and I was out, you know, like, so, there was never, like, oh, CC, you want to go to the U.S.? I was, like, yeah, no, there was never, that question was never asked. Um, Yeah, like you say, I have friendships that were developed, and I still have those friends, funny, but you find it funny. Um, It was hard for me, you know, it was, uh, I didn't know how to feel you know, and I think I suppressed that for so long that, you know, I was so scared, you know, because it's a new country, it's a new language, it's a new home, it's a new place, it's a new everything, you know, and overall, like, my main concern was, like, man, I'm gonna be far away from my dad, like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna admit it, I'm a daddy's girl, so, like, being away from my dad was, like, oh, my god, like, can we assess me, papa, you know, like, oh, my god, like, and I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, and, and then I just landed here. I was like, I didn't know how to, I, I didn't have time to process, you know, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, now you're here, figure it out, you know, like kind of thing. Why, um, why couldn't your parent join you, join you? Or was it the opportunity just for your mom? Like, I, I'm not familiar with the process yeah. of, so. So when you come to work for the consulate, yeah, you could bring your partner and, in this case, in this case, my dad, but they couldn't bring my sisters and my brother, you know, and then my dad thought, well, this is what I, I'm assuming, because this is what my dad said, you know, my dad thought that it would be better um, for him to stay, because my sisters and my brother, they haven't finished school, so they need some type of support here, like a parental support, yeah, my, my brother, my sisters, they were old. They were like 20, 21, 25. Like, they were older, you know? Like, I'm, I'm 31, and I've been living by myself since I was 25, right? So, like, I run the same age. So, my brother and my sister, they could have lived by themselves and survived, because I did. <laughs> so, um, but my dad thought that they needed his parental support, you know? And then I had the support of my mom, you know? So, like, that's what they thought it was, like, the best idea, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, on top of this, and at my at my old school, I wasn't doing that well, no grading wise, but like th- there was a lot of conflict. I always been very outspoken, and so I got in a lot of trouble when I was in school. So like that was on the on the birch like on the birch of like you know she's gonna be like suspended, like that's it. That's the, she's done. She's done. Like she's not gonna graduate here. Like, she's gonna have to change school. You know, like, so I was in that bridge. So, like, to my parents, it was also, was like, well, this is kind of, like, nos alivia el dolor de, like, buscar otro colegio. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. like just, let's just take her. Like, just take mm-hmm. her. Just take her, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> see? Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. So, 
you and your mom came here and of course it's a culture shock first of all you have to you live with family so for in the beginning before you get your own place um and then you mentioned just how different students behave here in school um and how differently we are taught to behave in peru right um i also saw a little bit of that you know um i came as a 10 year old um mm -hmm. so like i think 10 year olds in general are better behaving than high school students so you came to high school which is a whole different experience um yeah what were your reactions to what you saw in school did you think to yourself like all right i gotta fit in so i gotta change my ways or did you say like this is not who i am i, I don't know i guess i'm curious like because high school is it's a tough time regardless of where you are in in the world <laughs> you're a teenager <laughs> right so yeah i'm curious about that culture shock if you can um you know elaborate a yeah little bit. like i give you an example right so in peru like in my school you know when like a professor someone older would come in through the door we all have to stand out as a sign of respect you know and that's like engraved in your brain you know like since you're in kinder you know that you have to get up and they make you get up you know like if you don't get up that's a sign of disrespect to the person that just walked in right so here to me like the weirdest thing is like we have to move classes you know like over there the teachers we come to us so that was like the first thing i was like wait where am i going it's like <laughs> are you telling me i need to get up and go to somewhere else i mean i got lost so many times but um so like that was like the first thing but the the first the second thing is like when people will like insult the teacher you know like they will say I went to a school that they behave very badly. So like, they would say like bad words to the teacher, like F you, you know, like whatever, you're not my mom. And this was like, and to me, I was like, oh my wow. God, like, are you, I mean, if you talk to a teacher like that, how do you talk to your parents? I'm like, I'm like you know, like, it's just like, I'm, I mean, I kept, I kept very respectful with teachers, even though a lot of teachers were like mean to me. Um, I kept my respect because, you know, I. It's, like I said, it's engraved through our brain that we're supposed to respect teachers. And overall, I don't, I think I told you that my dad was a professor. So like, to me, it's like the same respect I have for a teacher. I hope someone has the same respect for my dad, you know, like, so it was kind of like that. So, I mean, in fitting in, I had to express it through my clothes. So I became emo, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I yeah. fit in, like, I never fit in. So like, I didn't fit in in Peru, so to me here, I didn't fit in, so I was like, okay, this is like every day to me now. <laughs> you mentioned that in Peru, you were very outspoken, and that being in a Catholic school, it's not necessarily always encouraged to be that outspoken. Did you find that, that, that here in the U.S. you can be outspoken, and it's at times encouraged, and like, did you have a sense of appreciation for that, or...? So, I mean, to, just to take you in, I mean, some of my teachers were not the greatest. So I, it's like, I had some teachers that I was like, okay, just sit down and write from the book kind of thing. So there was not teaching involved. Oh, so, I see, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I did have a teacher that not only challenged me, but I challenged him. So that was an interesting story with him. Uh, but he's the one kind of that, prepare me to college you know because in college is encouraged like you say your opinion and you know I have different opinions you know and yeah and then I think that's it that class it was history class it was my last year actually in high school um that I learned the most you know not only about American history but about uh how to how to reply how to like respond like even my english became better you know because i had to be on my feet with him you know he would challenge me you know because i was to him he would point me out because i was the immigrant on the room you know a lot of those a lot of my classmates they were yeah they, some of them came when they were little so they were quote-unquote assimilated but me i'm still like struggling between assimilating being uh being here and being peruvian and 
you know, I always say this, but like when I came to the U.S., I learned English and I learned a different Spanish because like it, I couldn't communicate because in, in California, it's a lot of Mexicans. So I had to learn like some lexicon, you know, like Mexican style, you know, and like, because I had to communicate, you know, I had to, and like sometimes people would not understand me and my English wasn't good. So I had to learn, you know, so like slang and things like that, you know? Wow. So he would pick on me a lot because I was like the immigrant on the room, you know, like, and he would challenge that I was too conservative, you know, like, or I was too religious in his face and things like that. And I was none, you know, so I was trying to explain him that. And, but he would not, he was like, no, you, I mean, you just came, you just fresh out of the plane. Like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> you know so. Wait, so this was a teacher? Yeah, this was a teacher. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. very direct to say. Yeah, that. he was to the point, not dry. And then like, he would make us do, it's the first time I did a research paper. So I had to do a research paper and I did it on, on Peru. And I did it on Pisco, the, the, like the story of, of Pisco. And he, I remember him on his notes that said, you know, it's like, nah, you need to do more research on it. Cause like what I found, blah, blah, blah. so he would challenge even my Peruvianness, you know, like my knowledge of Peru. So we had a lot of conflict, but I'm very thankful to him because he made me uncomfortable, you know, like, so I think in order to grow, you have to be uncomfortable with, you know, your thoughts and like what you believe and things like so he made that very you know very out there like you know like you need to challenge more you need to think outside of the box and things like that yeah I I, I mean definitely teachers who challenge you to think outside of the box are those teachers that we look back to and are grateful for but uh, yeah I'm curious what it felt like to be a teenager sitting in that classroom being challenged so much by a teacher right Mm -hmm. um, but I relate so much to your story about, well, about um, learning a different Spanish. Um, I didn't actively think about learning a different Spanish, but, um, you know, when I came to the U.S. in the 90s, uh, Univision was the only Spanish channel. Oh, yeah. And the La Siete a las Diez novela, novela de Univision, novela mexicana de Televisa, creo. Entonces, mi español... Uh, cuando lo hablo, creo que hasta ahora cuando lo hablo, suena mexicano. And so I've been in situations when um, I'm in a gathering of Peruvians, right? So it's a gathering, I'm new and I'm being introduced and they're like, oh, this is my friend, you know? They don't tell, they don't tell the group I'm Peruvian, but it's like, this is Natalie, my friend. And I start talking to them en español, estoy hablando en español, I start talking to them en español y me preguntan, oh, eres de México? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like, and you know, and, and I just like, I was like, I am Peruvian, you're Peruvian and you cannot hear my Peruvian accent at all. And so, <laughs> and you hear my Mexican accent and that is attributed to the fact that I used to watch novelas. Yes, everybody, I used to watch novelas with my mom. Desde las siete a las diez, yes, that's three hours of <laughs> <Some> novelas. <laughs> so I picked up the accent, so I picked up the accent and um, I don't have the Peruvian accent. And so, uh, so your story of having to learn a different Spanish, you were, I seem like you actively had to think about, okay, I have to pick up this slang because people, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't actively learning it. I was just picking it up, uh, you know, because yeah. of the TV I was watching. So, and, and not even that, but I had to actively teach people what, what a Peruvian is, you know? So I'll tell you, like, I was in, like, a week into school or something, and some girl turns around, and she's like, you're the Peruvian girl, huh? And I was like, yeah, that's me. And it's like, so what part of Mexico, Peru is? So I had to take, like, a second. I was like, wait a second. It was like, is she really asking me that? And, like, I didn't know a lot of English. And I was like, uh, Peru, no Mexico, uh, like, South? It's said, oh, so South of Mexico is, and, and then the teacher went, went in and I was like, so confused. I was like, I was looking around, you know, like when you're trying to look for someone to agree with you and I was like, okay, yeah, no one is looking. So, so, so I have to actively also teach, you know, like what a, what a Peruvian is like, you know, and like how we look, we all come different because everybody's thinking, you know, like, oh yeah, donde está tu llamita or things like that or señorita Laura, like, the, which is like uh. the word. 
the worst representation that we have, but that's what people think, you know? And that's just like, I had to educate them. It's like, you know, we look like this too. You know, we, we look like you and mm-hmm. we look, we come differently, you know? And just like, and there's Japanese Peruvians. I had to explain that to them. Like we are very diverse, you know, like, and the, it's just like, and it's like constantly teaching people, you know, because everybody's like, oh yeah, the Machu Picchu. It's like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, like there's so much more to us than just in Machu Picchu, you know, like. And did you feel like you had to teach um, equally to like, perhaps like white Americans or Americans and also Latinos? Like did the Latinos also, did you feel like you had to teach the Latinos or they, did they have a better understanding of you being Peruvian? I think uh, when I barely came, um, when I barely came, uh, I had to like constantly actively teaching them. But as I got older, no, because I think, I think that's, I, we have to say that to social media. So, because, you know, you see images now, like, so like people know that there's more, one more type of Peruvian, you know? I mean, they're still related to Machu Picchu and llamas and things like that, you know? But I think now I teach less, you know? But at the beginning, I had to actively teach, you know? I was like, I'm Peruvian and I'm from Peru. And like, we are different. We are not just llamas and like the no señorita Laura, you know, nobody likes that and things like that. So like constantly I have to do that. But now it's like people already know. And I think it's, I think it's social media that, you know, that made it possible to get here, you know, to, but with, there's so much more, you know, because there's so much more to Peruvians, you know, like, or stories and history of it that we had to teach, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I also hated any reference to like Señorita Laura. Y, y, lo que, y las personas que lo hacían más eran otros latinos. Uh, obvio, porque no era un programa que, que pasaba por la televisión americana, right? And so, pero otros like colombianos o tal vez mexicanos también uh, que decían, oh, Perú, Señorita Laura. Y, y fue, se fue un show muy popular. Y era tipo Jerry Springer. So this show that we're talking about, it's called, um, I don't even remember, but it was like a host name. Laura Bozo. Laura Bozo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura Bozo. Uh, I think the show was actually filmed and I don't remember. I, I think, um, but it was a Jerry Springer type of show. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of painful stories, a lot of stories, whether they were real or not, I don't know. And I don't really care to dig into that, but um, just stories of like people cheating on each other, families like fights and a lot of poor people she interviewed and uh, would give like little sandwicheros, carritos sandwicheros or like yeah. little like carts where they can like sell food. And, you know, maybe the intention of the show was like something positive at the beginning, but I think internationally it just damaged Peru's image so so much because for other Latinos, what they thought of Peru was like just poverty, just dysfunction of family, um, you know, and she here comes the savior, like she's saving us, you know. So it was hard and I, I did not like it. And yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> I'm glad we have other things too. We have other other images, other representation than like Senorita Lara. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess now I'm curious to uh, how, what was your approach to learning English? Because you came at an age where it was a lot, well, not I want to. I don't want to say a lot tougher, but it was tougher than like a kid who's like ten years old, right? I came like when I was ten years old. Um, and what was your approach to learning the language? And the reason I say that is because um, when I came to the U.S. and I came at the age of ten years old, um, I somebody gave me audio tapes, like like tape books, right? And so I don't remember if this was like a teacher or someone who was helping me. And they basically said like, all right, listen to it. Here's the book and look at the words, right? And so that was incredibly helpful for me and I embraced it to the max. Um, now there's Audible, which is basically the same thing, right? So audio tapes. Um, and I was not shy about starting with baby books. I picked up 
C-spot run, like those little baby books, like that has two words or three words. It's like C-spot run, spot is running like the little doggy. And um, I literally started with those books and then I love to read, I enjoy to read and I eventually expanded, you know, how, how quickly I write. But again, I came at, at the age of 10 and I just look back and think, I was like, oh wow, I was actually, or somebody guided me, I don't know who, to, you know, not be shy about picking up baby books and not feel like I have to pick up the, 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 big, kid, the big kid's book uh, right away. Um, but I am curious, did you have an approach or it was kind of like sink or swim <laughs> approach? Yeah, I know. think it was like, you know, cuando te tiran a la piscina and you're like, okay, I learned, you know, it was kind of the same. Um, I actually, I have to thank, you know, Televisión Basura in English because that's what they taught me, you know, like, you know, Jerry, <laughs> all of those, you know, as much as I hate them, they taught me how to speak English, you know, and like, I'm the typical, like, how you learn English with watching TV, it, that was me, you know, like, uh, you know, because uh, around that time, uh, we got MTV and things like that, so the hills came up, so those are actual conversations between women, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I get it, you know, like, this is how people had to talk, uh, but it was just like, like learning as I go, and I still struggle until this day with my English, you know, and I mean, I got picked up on my, on my accent, like so many times, like in college and things like, like, until the day work, you know, like I still get picked up on my accent, but, um, but that's how I learned. And like, and when I had to do homework, it was my book, uh, my notebook and my dictionary. I was like, I was even looking, I think, I still remember when I was looking in the dictionary what even means, you know, like, so I was like, I didn't understand for like a year what even means, you know, so I was like, cause I would see even though, even this, even that, and I was like, okay, what is even? Like, you're like, <laughs> you're like, ¿cuál? ¿Qué significa esa palabra? ¿Por qué lo usan todo el mundo y acá rato? <laughs> Yes, and just like things like that. Like, okay, like I have funny stories, but you know, like I think one time one of my classmates, uh, she got her period, right? And she was asking for a pad, right? <laughs> so, and then she turns to me and she's like, Do you have a pad? And I was like, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what she was asking. So I was like, I showed her my pencil, my notebook, my like everything. I'll show her, and she's like, no, like, forget it. Like, she would just look at me like, oh, no, just forget it. But, like, I didn't know what a pad was. And then, you know, when I learned, like, seven years later what a pad was, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, you see, like, so I'm always learning English. So, like, because I'm thinking of in two languages, you know, and, like, sometimes I get stuck, you know, like, yeah. Do you still think in two languages? Like, what's the, when I, like, your thought, is it Spanish first or English or, like, both, I guess? Both. It depends. I think it depends. Yeah, it, it really depends on what I, because, so, since I do social media, I do social media in Spanish, too. So, like, sometimes I had to, like, you know, switch a cassette, you know, like, okay, now I tienes que pensar en español, you know, but, you know, so it's like a switch. It's like, it's, like on and off, on and off, on and off. Like it goes like that. But sometimes I struggle, you know. Like, and sometimes el cassette doesn't change that fast, you know. Like it's like, uh, okay, never mind. That I totally mispronounced that word, or like I totally messed up that sentence. Like I had no, like I literally translated from Spanish to English, and it's some gibberish that I put in there. <laughs> oh yeah, that happens a lot. That happened on this episode at the beginning. So. <laughs> Where my brain was like, wait, what are we talking? Um, uh, it's one of the struggles of being bilingual. Um, so I do want to also ask about, you mentioned that you translated, you helped your mom translate like, you know, legal documents. You were sort of the translator with um, the, you know, the, I want to say the landlord, I think at your apartment um, or whoever was running the apartment. Um, that's, a lot of responsibility. Um, and yeah. I definitely been that person for my parents as well. And it, um, it was a burden as a kid. You don't see it as a burden. Like, I don't think we ever really acknowledge it because to your, what you mentioned before, we suppress a lot of things, especially when we come to the U S and we kind of 
activate our survival mode and we're like, this is just what you have to do to survive at this point, right? Like, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll worry about it later. Um, and I guess I'm wondering if you ever felt that burden and how did it manifest? Yeah, so, well, translating documents to my mom, because my mom didn't know, I didn't know that much English, you know? So she thought like I knew a lot. So just to say hi and how are you to my mom, I was like, oh my God, wow. Esto sabe un montón. Es que mi hija es muy inteligente. Pero that's not the truth, you know? Like, so I had to show my mom that I wasn't afraid. You know, like, uh, I had to like, darlo de frente, you know, like sin miedo. And like my mom, I had to show confidence to my mom who make her feel like the decision she made in bringing me here, it wasn't a bad decision. So like, and I struggle with that burden for like a few years because everything I do in my life, it was because of that. I don't want my mom to feel like that she made a mistake or then, you know, you know, because my mom always reminds me that what you have is like everybody wishes to have, you know, it's an opportunity that a lot of people wish. So like that concept, I think mentally that drained me at the long run, you know, like, and I didn't notice, I, I think this pandemic has made me think a lot. And like, and that's one of the things I thought about, you know, like how um, stressful those situations were, because I said, like, what if I'm just making something wrong? You know, like, <laughs> what about if I'm making my mom sign something that it doesn't say what it says, but thank God nothing that happened. Cause <laughs> so, Thank you, dictionary. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. It is. Um, it is tough to process it, and and um, I, I guess for me, I'm the oldest. I have a younger brother, and being the oldest, um, and being the one that understood the most Spanish, because my brother came even younger. He came at the age of five. Um, I, you know, also had to serve that role of translating legal documents, medical documents, being on the phone with my parents, with, you know, bankers or credit card or doctors or like billing customer service and all those things. And, um, and I think by the time I reached the age of like applying to schools and, and going to university, um, I had this desire to kind of want to go away far. Um, because, um, you know, like, I think we're very close to our parents, but we even tend to be very close to our parents. So it's hard for us to even contemplate the idea of going far for school. But I think I needed that, that separation, that break of like, I need to solely be responsible for my life and I can't be responsible for my parents. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that's why I was curious, like if, if you also for that also felt that burden of like, and you yeah. and you did and you did mention it. You did mention it. You you worry whether you were translating things properly and whether you were making you know sort of like directing your mom to make good decisions and sign documents in a proper way. And thank God, neither one of us made our parents do anything really bad, <laughs> right? But it's such a burden on kids. Yes, it is. And like, I think our parents don't think about that. I think, uh, I think until the day my mom doesn't know English, right? So I feel like I enable my mom a little bit. I'm sorry, mom, but like, you know, like I enable oh, her. A little bit, I get it. You know, like, but, and also like, you know, like you say, you know, you have to separate with them. I mean, I don't longer live with my mom and, you know, and I'm the youngest, right? So I don't know about your family, but in my family, the youngest one takes care of the parents. But I was the first one to leave the home. So that to my mom was very hard. My mom, my mom had a difficult time processing that, you know, processing like, why is she leaving? You know, like, it's like, why is she growing up so fast? She's the youngest one, you know, like, so I, I started leaving by myself since I was 25. And I used to live with my sister before that from between 21 to 25, I lived with my sister, which at that point was quote unquote kind of independent. Um, but then I live with myself and I never gone back to my mom. And my mom always feels like I don't want to be with her. And that I just always have to remind her that it's not about her. It's more about me, you know, 
being independent, you know, like she already did, she, ya hizo todo lo que pudo mi mamá, ya me crió, me dio una educación, me dio de comer, everything, you know, ya, ya me dio todo, like, now it's time for me to give to my mom, you know, so like, and I, it's just, but my mom still has a difficult time with me being the youngest one being living, you know, so like, and you said something really important there where you're like, now is the time for me to give to her, right? And I think immigrant kids, again, we feel that um, pressure, which is also a blessing to be able to do that for our parents, right? To be able to take care of them. But it's also um, another thing that we have to consider when we are, you know, figuring out our careers, figuring out our lives, figuring out our finances, figuring out all of that. We don't, it's just not us. It's not like, oh, solamente soy yo y me preocupo por mí, nadie más. No, like we are like, think, we are considering la mamá, el papá, los hermanos, la familia en Perú, et cetera, right? So, yeah. um, but I think another thing that I really appreciated that you said was like, and I quote, you said, uh, you had to show that you were not afraid. Mm. Um, to your mom and yeah. you had to show confidence and I was like oh my god I feel that so much <laughs> I was like I feel that so much because you said you you know like I think being put in those positions where we have to translate and we have to be that liaison like mm -hmm. you are an advocate from like the get-go you're advocating for your parent you're advocating for your mom and like you have to be fearless and I think immigrant kids like our experience makes us that it makes us fearless we have to be that advocate for our family for our parents and and um but it also means and as the older i got and the more i reflected on this but it also means that we have to take care of ourselves because we cannot abdicate for our families and, and be that person in front of everybody and everything you know to protect them if we're not taking care of ourselves so um and it's something that it took me a long time to process and really accept so yeah um so i am curious about when this counselor at the university said to you or encouraged you to get married instead of considering college um did this person know your immigration situation like were you um were you not, I guess I'm curious, like, was it, not that it was warranted, I don't think that advice is warranted any, 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 any at any time, but were, was your immigration status, like, a concern when you were applying to school? Is that, is that what made him sort of do it, or what, why do you think? So, um, I'm not sure completely what made him say that, I know for a fact that on my file, it says, I remember that I think it says my immigration status and the type of visa that I had, it wasn't the type of like, it could easily, you know, like I could follow, like there's this law in California, I don't know if it's nationwide, but AB 540, which is like, it's considered like people that came in uh, at a certain age, they could pay um, tuition at a, mm -hmm. at a state tuition. Mm -hmm. So like, I didn't fall into that because I missed the year. So like, I missed the, the like the cut. Oh, so wow. I think at 16, I came to too old for the law. So I didn't fall into that. And so nobody really understands how my visa worked and it was about to expire. So it doesn't mean that I have papers the whole time. Nah, so that took a, that's like, I was without uh, undocumented for a, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think nobody knew. And I think, I mean, I think maybe he was misinformed, you know, for what, for his actions and things like that, uh, to say that, you know, and I think it's misinformation, you know, about people that don't understand individual situations about immigrants. So because I was like a, a unique one, you know, like probably he's never seen anybody with a visa like that or like, you know, uh, or people that are undocumented and, you know, and things were different. The climate was a little bit different around that time too in immigration. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good point that, you know, like your visa was different in the sense like your mother was here working and you mentioned that your visa was about to expire and you were undocumented for some time. What was that 
time like? Because I was also undocumented for some time. Um, yeah. So. Um, well, I was in college when that happened, and it was it was scary because you hear so many stories and things like that. You know, like that you have to hide and things like, and like don't work. And I used to work like under the table, you know, like just to make some money. Um, so like I don't remember what I used to do. I think I used to deliver stuff or something like that, and. It was a scary time, but, you know, I always said that, you know, this is just temporary, you know, this is just going to pass, like high school passed, this is going to pass too, you know, so that's exactly how I handle it. I mean, it was scary, it took a few years for me to become uh, a resident, thanks God, like, because, <laughs> but I, I feel like I'm very privileged in that sense, you know, like. I, I was able to do this, you know, but there's so many people out there that are not able to do that that easily, you know? That's true, yeah. Um, I guess I am curious, like coming at the age of 16 and, and leaving your family and friends behind, you came in 2005, so how did you stay connected with your family there? Because I know when I came in the 90s, I mean, the internet was not like really a thing. It was just starting and calling home was like, could cost you easily hundreds of dollars if, if you, depending, yeah. on how, depending how long you wanted to talk. And so um, I mentioned this in a previous episode where it almost felt like I couldn't look back. Like it's, it's like my life is here now and I have to focus here and I couldn't look back. And so I disconnected from family in Peru and I'm sure that created some hurt and pain um you know I was a 10 year old so I was a kid so maybe they didn't see it that way but you were 16 right so so <laughs> how did how did you stay connected how was that do, do you still stay connected and, and how do you balance being like both here in the U.S. and also connect staying connected to the family in Peru so at the beginning um it was just phone calls yeah it was just phone calls and like and my mom would not let me, well, oh, there wasn't enough money to buy that many calling cards because that was, that was it, you know, it was calling cards back then. Before we got internet, you know, like, so we actually did get internet <laughs> some months later, uh, but the first months it was like calling cards, you know, like, um, it, and I had to disconnect from a lot of my cousins and a lot of my, my friends, you know, I would call them here and there for like maybe 30 minutes or so. But like you say, you know, like you have to disconnect and don't look back. And I think that's the only way because honestly, to survive in this country, you know, because it's, it's rough. It's not what they picture you in movies and things like that. No, it's not the same. You know, and that kind of build up character. You know, that disconnection of not looking back, like you say, that built down my character to not not take BS from no one, you know, not like, I mean, ah, I struggled throughout the way, but, you know, like little by little, it kind of built up to what it is now, you know? Yeah, so that's, that's true. How I did. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to have tough skin. I think, yeah, any immigrant anywhere, maybe here, I mean, maybe particularly here in the U.S. too, because, um social programs are not as big as like in Europe, right? Like where you even as an immigrant or as a traveler may qualify for here in the U.S. It's, there are some social programs if you want to, if you need them, but I think immigrants really do come and they don't even consider that. Like we don't even think about that when you're thinking about coming to the U.S. I think it's more of a, I trabajo acá. Like there's work here and all I want is just the opportunity to work to work really hard to be able to go to school and so I can like be a professional and work really hard right like I feel like that's our mentality and so and I think the American American society doesn't really understand that I think they they think that we're back home thinking like oh there's social programs and there are like you know things that I can take advantage of and I'm sure there are a few who might think that but I think so many of us are thinking like no I trabajo, I escuelas, I educación, I universidad. So we're thinking like work, university, study, like we're thinking of all those things. We're not thinking of social programs, but not, not there's anything wrong if you need it and you, you know, you want, you need to be, you need to take advantage of, of those social programs. But I don't think anybody comes with that necessarily as their first priority. So 
Mm-hmm. All right. So tell us about you now. Like you mentioned that you have a master's degree now and like you're also, you know, you have a social media account and you're a traveler, you're sharing your travels. And I know you're also sharing some of your reflections online. So tell us uh, about Sisi Paulino ahora. Like, ¿qué haces and qué te enfocas? Like, what, what is next for you? Yeah, so, well, I have a master's degree, like you said. I got it from USC a few years ago. Um, I think that was, like, a big accomplishment. I was like, oh, my God, I made it this far. Like, I looked at it, like, everything that happened, you know? Uh, so now, actually, so uh, I share my travels and things like that. So I'm little by little and changing my own brand, <laughs> my own branding. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm in the progress of doing at the moment. But I do social media. I, I do what makes me happy, which is create content. You know, I, I just love doing that. And a, social media has allowed me to like express my creativity and, and kind of express my random personality, you know, like my unusual self uh, to the work, you know. So um, what is coming for me so, uh, is, so I have created a project. Uh, inspired by Peru and inspired after this pandemic that Peru is still undergoing and unfortunately my family was directly affected by it we lost one of my uncles uh, and so an idea was born in that point which is called uh, we are Cusca so it's like a work it's actually called Cusca like it's in Quechua which means togetherness and so pretty much what Cusca does is a movement not, sorry, not a movement, but a brand that gives back to Peru. Uh, so I'm, I'm currently on the launch in time. So uh, so we soon we're going to be giving, I've uh, been selling some face masks here in Peru, inspired by Lima. So yeah, and inspired by my memories um, of Lima and things like that. So the designs are truly like what, like what I think of Lima, they're on it, you know? And some of, uh, a portion of the of profit would be go to an organization in Peru that is helping people in the most poor areas uh, to battle COVID. That's wonderful. That's, and yeah, I'm so sorry for the loss, of, uh, you know, um, for COVID. I think so many of us have been touched by by that, by losing someone. And, and if anybody who's listening has been affected by it, I'm so sorry that this is happening and that your family is going through this because it is, it is a tough time for family and not being able to go, right? Like perhaps like you heard the news and you wanted to go and be there for your family and we can't, right? So I also saw that on social media, your mom, is traveling is coming back from Peru and so how was <laughs> so, that going um yeah, yeah your mom so, was back in Peru tell us a little bit about it yeah so she was stuck in Peru for like five months <laughs> almost six honestly and uh she went on like a three-week vacation and as I was dropping my mom off into the airport this is when like the, the cases were like like barely about to start you know like I remember telling my mom, mom, I have a bad feeling that you're not going to come back. And she's like, ay, no te preocupes. Vengo yo en tres semanas, es una vacaciones. Three weeks later is five months later, right? So it's very, it's been a quiet journey because my mom was actually stuck in Piura. Because okay. my mom is from Ayavaca, which okay. is like a small little town up in, uh, up in Piura, but like Ecuador is like mm-hmm. in that area, you know? And she went to visit her grand, uh, my grandparents, and oh, okay. she just got stuck in there. So, like two days into into it, that's when like the uh, the Peruvian president was like, "Okay, yeah, all flights cancel, everything quarantine. You guys all stay home." And my mom was like, um, "What? <laughs> like, when can I go back?" And my mom has struggled a lot because she hasn't been home like that like, with my grandparents since she probably was like 14 or 15 you know oh wow yeah so like it's been a few years so this to my mom I think if anything my mom has um has to spend more time with my grandparents now than ever so if anything happens to them you know my mom at least you know like I spend my time you know like and I share all those memories with them so oh wow yeah I mean 
todo tal vez tenga razón, tenga razón de ser. So. Um, all right, so to wrap it up, I'm going to do rapid fire questions. Oh. And um, just don't think too hard, just whatever comes to mind, okay? Okay. Uh, plato peruano preferido. Ají de gallina. Uh, qué rico. <laughs> Chicha morada o inca cola. Maracuyá. <laughs> you know, that's a good answer. I like maracuyá too. Like maracuyá reminds me of going to El uh, Parque de las Leyendas con mi mamá. Oh, yeah. Siempre que íbamos al Parque de las Leyendas, mi mamá traía jugo de maracuyá. Yeah. So uh, Algarrobina o pisco sour. Chilcano. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. I love different answers. <laughs> um, Mazamorra morada o arroz con leche? Ooh. Me vas a decir un suspiro al alimento. ¿Combinado? No, no, no. Combinado. Combinado. Yeah. Combinado, yeah. Why no festejo marinera? Why no? Why no? Uh, un talento o un artista peruano favorito que tengas? So, I've been listening to With the Lion. I don't know if you heard about them, but they're like a Peruvian folk, folk uh, jazz band. I don't know. I don't remember. But We the Lion, they're great. They're a great band. Yeah. It's called We the Lion? Yeah, We the Lion. Uh -huh. Nice. Okay, I have to look them up. Yeah. Uh, they speak to... English, though. But yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they're good. Tu lugar favorito en Perú? So, there's this... Uh, Italian Peruvian bakery called Los Huerfanitos, which is in like El Centro de Lima. Uh, that place is always dear to my heart. Because my dad used to take me like, because nobody liked to go with my dad shopping. And I'll be like, and my dad said, you want to come with me? I'm watching that before. And so, so that's where we end up. So it's, it's, that place always has a special place in my heart. Oh, and it's a bakery. I love it. <laughs> it's a bakery, yeah. I always have good memories of Peruvian bakeries. We just have the best bread. I mean, like, our bread is bomb. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, canción que te hace recordar al Perú. Cuando la escuchas. Oh, canción que me hace recordar tu voz de, oh my God, de, what's her name? Lucia, Lu, Lucia something. I forget her name. Okay. But voz, I like that song a lot. Tu voz, okay. Um, entonces, um, to wrap it up, Uh, ¿qué, uh, ¿Qué mensaje tienes para los peruanos en Perú y qué mensaje tienes para los peruanos aquí en Estados Unidos? Ok. Para los peruanos de Perú. Es <ríe> like, tienen que, yo creo que hay que acordarnos de apreciar lo que tenemos y cuidar lo que tenemos. Uh, no estar en, eh, las cosas afuera del Perú son casi las mismas que pasan, que pasan adentro del Perú. So es importante siempre recordar y apreciar lo que uno, lo que uno tiene y cuidarlo. And then for my Peruvian immigrants here, you know, you're not alone because I felt alone for a very long time. Very long time. I'm not, you're not alone at all. Um, you could look for the community somewhere. Even if it's far away, you know, like there's a lot of people in New Jersey. So like, you know, look for Peruvians in New Jersey too. Yeah, but you're not alone and, you know, obstacles on your way are going to come and it's up to you to overcome them and, like, just keep going. Don't give up. That's right. Do not give up. And there are definitely Peruvians all over the U.S. and now we can connect through social media. Um, so, Cece, how can the audience connect with you if they want to connect with you through social media? Yeah, so follow me to Cece the explorer where that it's the double c so cc the explorer like dora the explorer uh you can connect with me you know if you dm me uh send me stories send me everything send me something funny i love that stuff like, you know peruvian funny and follow my upcoming brand called we are Cusca. uh i'm gonna share on my socials too as well and i have another project coming up too which is named for south americans uh, it's called with sesong So, or Sazoneando or something like that. We still figure it out, but, you know, keep up in my socials and CC the Explorer to find out. Yes. So we're going to keep up with that. I'm excited. It already sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, CC. I really appreciate your time. I, this has been such an, a, a nice conversation to have with you and to learn your own story. Um, thanks for, you know, 
making us Peruvian proud. It seems like you not only work hard to be where you are now, but you're also representing us really well. So thank you again. I really appreciate this conversation with you. No, thank you. Que viva Peru. Que viva Peru. Sombra renacer, serena, bajo del mismo sol que me...